I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to Pit Pass Moto, the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. I'm PJ Doran. And I'm Dave Selecki. This week on Pit Pass, we have Dale Spangler with us. Now, here's the latest in industry news. First off the top, the AMA announced their Athletes of the Year National Championship Series Athlete of the Year, Caleb Russell. Grand Championships Athlete of the Year, Stylez Robertson. Ryder Francesco was the Youth Racer of the Year. Katie Benson was named the Female Racer of the Year. And Robbie Norwood was named the Vet Senior Racer of the Year. Congratulations, one and all. In Moto America news, this coming season, no more Super Pole in the Superbike category. And the MotoGP Sepang test has, in fact, been canceled for COVID reasons. Look forward to more news about when the first test of this coming season will be. And sadly, we say goodbye and rest in peace to racer Joel Robert, AMA Hall of Famer. Incredible racer, right, Dave? Yes, he was. He was one of the founding... uh racers that came over from Europe and showed the Americans what the sport was all about back in the 60s with uh, Roger DeCoster and sad news for sure. And in Moto News, uh, off-road, you've got some results for us, correct, Dave? We do. We had lots of racing this weekend. We had the Kicker Arena Cross Series uh, in Texas this weekend, Friday night in the 450 class. Kyle Peters continues to dominate because he won Friday night. He also won Saturday night. In the 450 class, Kyle's just been the dominant rider. He's winning all around, even not getting the greatest starts. He's still making it to the front. Michael Lessie's been that guy, but uh, he's been fading back. So uh, he'll come on strong as the season goes on. We also had AMA FIM Supercross opening this weekend in Houston, round number one. This is a three-round series in Houston, and uh, we got our first kickoff of the year. And then a 450 class The winner this weekend was Justin Barsha on the Gas Gas motorcycle. So two big records were made. Barsha winning three consecutive 450 Supercross opening events in a row. And also Gas Gas's first motocross or Supercross first place finish ever in the United States. Really, it was great battling on a really questionable track that was tough to pass on. Ken Roxon came in second, gave Barsha a battle most of the race, but really didn't hammer it home. So uh, that was some good battling going on. I guess the news in the 450 class is the guys who didn't make it to the front of the pack. Three guys that you would expect up front weren't there. Cooper Webb finishing ninth. 
followed by Zach Osborne, 10th. Both those guys just had bad starts and uh, some bad luck. And defending champ Eli Tomac comes home a disappointing 13th in the opening round. And uh, he just, same thing, he just had some Tomac luck. I guess that dark cloud has followed him into Supercross this year after outdoor motocross. But uh, I'm sure that'll shape up as we move on in the series. In the 250 class, we had a real barn burner. Christian Craig comes out and dominates Absolutely kills the class, takes first in his opening uh, debut uh, moto on the Star Racing Yamaha, followed by Austin Forkner, the pro circuit rider, looked strong all night, finished up second, and followed by another Star Yamaha rider, Colt Nichols. So that's your uh, opening round of FIM AMA Supercross for the weekend. This week's Pit Pass trivia question is, who has won the most AMA road races in their career? More on that later on in the show. Our guest today on Pit Pass Moto is a longtime industry guy. He's been around and uh, done a lot of different things. He's a, a self-admitted gear whore and a matchy-match guy. We've got Dale Spangler as our guest here today. Dale, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. You know, I feel like it's funny, but I was thinking about when the last time I was on with you guys, and wow, I think a lot's changed since the last time I was on. Would you guys agree? Yeah, we've all been through a lot. The industry's been through a lot and a lot of ups and downs. And I know we talked about that a little bit last time, but uh, you've uh, you've grown yourself. You've uh, you've added a new uh, new nuance to your uh, toolbox. You want to talk about your your new gig? Yeah. So I've grown for sure. I've grown in size over time, twenty twenty, which I'm trying to work on and lose some weight. But <laughs> putting that aside, no, I, I ended up starting my own content marketing business back in September. Just recently, first of the year, I launched my own podcast and the Dirt Buzz podcast. And so just released the third episode this morning with my friend Brian Elliott from Sovereign Creative Agency and also works for Ampro Yamaha. So I've been having fun with that. You know, like the first two episodes, I just tried to do it on my own, which I quickly realized even talking for a half an hour by yourself is not very easy. So I <laughs> finally figured out how to have a show guest on. And so, yeah, launched that first of the year. And between that and I'm working with about three or four, two industry clients and two non-industry clients uh, with my content marketing business, Buzz Media. And so, yeah, just trying to stay busy, get some money back in. Just really didn't have any luck finding a position with the industry company. So just decided to go it on my own. I mean, what's the feedback you're getting from the industry? Is it kind of a hiring freeze thing or they're not looking for, or is is it just that things have changed so much since COVID has come on board to kind of upset the apple cart. What do you feel what's going on there? Really, it's strange. I talked a little bit about this in my own, in my my podcast. I really kind of have this, I don't know, I guess a theory that just a lot of brands on the dealer level, OEM level, it seems like the industry is just booming. But then, you know, a guy like me looking for a job, strangely enough, I think a lot of companies are just afraid to kind of open up and, and start hiring people because they just don't know how is this going to keep going, you know, this this boom in power sports. And so me being a senior level guy, you know, 51 years old. So I just think that in a lot of cases, the companies that I approach, just they're not interested in 
someone that's been around for 28 years like I have. And I don't know what, what it really is if they, you know, get, get sticker shock or whatever, or if it's just, you know, they think they could probably hire two or three young people for the, the price of one person. That's <laughs> kind of my outlook, but regardless, you know, I think it just forced my hand and it made me kind of just stop and think, you know what, maybe it's time to try something on my own. And so far I've been, you know, lucky enough to, to land some work with a few brands out there, Giant Loop out of Bend, Oregon, and then uh, Aquaglide, which is a water sports company. They make aqua parks and uh, inflatable kayaks and inflatable stand-up paddle boards. And so between them and I'm going to be working with a few more brands that I have in the works. So between all that's keeping me busy pretty good. And, and then starting this podcast, we'll see where that goes. So those those uh, industries that you mentioned, Dale, that are outside uh, of motorsport and the motorcycle industry, I have to believe they're experiencing, as you mentioned, dealers are booming. I work at one. I know that. We, we can't keep inventory. And I'm starting, and maybe I'm just a, a conspiracy theorist, but our disentanglement from China in some meaningful way so that we can be responsible for the very core elements of production of anything. I mean, are you seeing that across? I would imagine you're getting reports of the same from stand-up paddle boards. They've probably got the very same issues the motorcycle industry does, that being some very large quantity percentage of content in a motorcycle is, is made in China or is impacted by production in China, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think you're just seeing it across the board, whether it's mountain bike, you know, these anything to do with outdoor recreation seems to be in that same situation where if all it takes is one or two vendors when you're making a product that happen to be, you know, in a, in a location where maybe it is in China or somewhere else where they're affected by COVID, you know, they're not able to work enough hours, whatever it is. I think everybody's in the situation. I know Aquaglide, you know, the, the water sports company, they can't make stuff fast enough either. I mean, they're, they're sold out of pretty much everything. And so, yeah, it's a pretty interesting time right now for outdoor sports in general, which is, it's great for all of us. Hopefully everybody, you know, this keeps going. Like, I don't know how long it will go. I don't know if it's a bubble or what, but I, I guess we'll find out. Regardless, yeah, I think it's, it's not just power sports, like you are saying. It's anything to do with outdoors. They probably can't keep stuff in stock, whether it's a Airstream trailer or, you know, whatever you want to put out there that's outdoor sports. It's they're having a tough time keeping it in stock. And it seems like, uh, you know, in, in, our, in the power sports industry, in our industry, as I like to call it, there are brands that are just taking it up to another level as far as pushing their marketing to drive customers to the door. I just couldn't uh, help but notice the gas gas promotions when I was watching the Supercross this last weekend and how hard they're pushing that brand of the three brands that KTM owns kind of draw a parallel to that as compared to outside the industry is, are they doing the same kinds of things pushing hard? Yeah. So like to go back to Aqualad, the, one of their big divisions is the commercial water parks. And so they, everything is inflatable, which, you know, when, until I started working with these guys working on their copy, I just had no idea this even existed. I mean, you, you could go to a, I think they have one, Las Vegas is an example. You go to a, you know, a, a hotel down there and say something that's out of town a little ways uh, up against the mountains. Well, if they happen to have a lake, they can build this entire aqua park out of these inflatable features, slides, you know, swings, all, all these different balance features. And so they put these things up and they're, you know, they're a couple hundred thousand dollars probably for a single water park. From what I've heard, 
these things pay for themselves in less than a year. So, and now they're going into a commercial segment of it where if someone lives, you know, out, they have a big piece of land, they happen to have a lake on it, they can buy their own little uh, water park, put it all together, and then they have their own personal water park without having to go out in public. So I think it's weird how COVID has changed things like that. Some markets have all of a sudden surged that, you know, probably weren't doing that well in the past. And it's just a kind of a, a circumstance of uh, where we're at, you know, these days. So, you know, kind of with that in mind, what's, uh, I mean, and you've done this marketing role for a long, long time. Very, very great at it. To you, what's the single most aspect of a strong marketing approach to a product like you're like you're doing now? Is it is it now social media? Is it print? Is it, you know, what's the message and how do you spread that message? Which is the single most best way to do that? You know, I think it's a combination of, of everything. And, I, you know, whether it's social media, I mean, obviously the landscape is changing for print advertising, digital advertising. There's just a lot of controversy going on right now with, you know, I'm reading these articles where a company like Uber, you know, realized they spent, say, $300 million on digital ad buys. And then they come to find out that $100 million of that was pretty much fraudulent like waste you know it was they they could get rid of that 100 million and it wouldn't make a, a darn bit of difference you know there's just there's so much noise out there right now everybody's fighting to get people's attention but the one thing i do keep coming back to and i read a lot about is is email you know strangely enough through all of this you know, it seems kind of old fashioned i know there's probably young people that don't even really use email but building an email list that's yours you know in case something goes wrong I mean, what's to say a week from now, all of a sudden, Facebook, Twitter, they all go away or they or they charge you a fee to be on there. People that have their businesses built around entirely around social media are going to be in a world of hurt if all, if all of a sudden their all of their audience goes away, their customers. And so being able to use email and build yourself up a following that way. I mean, I've seen quite a few successful email newsletters that that's, that's how they operate. They put out an email once a week and people look forward to it. And it's full of really good, relevant information. I think that's a good way to get a following these days. After hearing that story that you told with Brian Elliott about uh, Facebook and social media and what he went through, it's uh, it's almost kind of scary how much a company is depending on those platforms to get their message out and actually do transactions. Yeah, I mean, I was a pretty big advocate, too, like when I was at Tucker, pushing for ad spends, shifting it from traditional print advertising, website banner advertising, and doing more social media advertising. But now I feel like it's just become so muddied. And, uh, you know, companies like Facebook are, you know, being accused of all kinds of crazy things because how, for example, you know, when Brian and I were talking on our podcast, you know, you see these, in some ways, they're, they're basically fake advertisements. Like I see them all the time on Instagram. I saw one uh, Saturday, you know, I'm watching the race and I'm scrolling through and I, I look and I see a I think it was like a Troy Lee Designs uh, zip-up hoodie. And I click on it, and it's some random website that had like women's clothes and then also this random Troy Lee sweatshirt and, you know, hats. And I mean, it's just, they're all just these fraudulent websites that you, if you order, you probably won't get your product. And then by the time they figure out it's a fraud, they move down to another fake post. And so it's, it's kind of scary times out there, I think, on the social media. High-level fishing is what you're yes. talking about. Very sophisticated fishing uh, and targeted directly at you, the guy watching that race. Yep. It's strange how that – I, I swear they're listening too because there's just too many times it's a coincidence. I'm sure I'm bordering on conspiracy theory here now, but <laughs> it's too too often than not. You know, I'll be talking to my wife or whatever, and then all of a sudden I, one of us will be like, hey, we were just talking about that. Look, just showed up in my Instagram feed as an ad. And I'm like, whoa, it's 
and or your email banner. So I completely concur with you. Uh, I'm, I'm well past the point of suspicion about believing it. I think it's absolutely happening because the banner ads that I see in my very old man style email, because I don't do social media at all, they're still getting to me. So they've, they've found a way to, you know, if I, if I go to Vegas, all of a sudden I get, you know, Vegas themed advertisements. So it's, uh, it's not surprising. It's unfortunate about print media though. Don't you think fortunate or unfortunate? It's the way of the world. We've lost motorcyclist and cycle world, both out of print now. Yep. I mean, I think honestly, like there's an opportunity there. I'll go back to, to using meta as an example. They've kind of stuck it out. You know, meta magazine is just, it's a beautiful coffee table book where it separates itself from just a normal magazine. Okay, it's 20 bucks a copy, but shoot, what is it? You walk into a store now, and if you're in the airport and bought a magazine, it's $9.95 in some cases. And it's like, wow. And it's probably be lucky if it's uh, 60 pages. I think there are these boutique magazines, like, you know, Iron and I think it's Iron and Air is the other one, Meta. Even Harley, I think, is coming back with this traditional publication. I think you've, you're seeing more of that after. People have seen the success of Meta, and they're like, man, that's, that's a pretty cool formula that they have going on. And now they're even taken to the next level. Like I recently worked with them on a piece about Wesley Schultz, the lead singer of the band The Lumineers, which is definitely a fun bucket list experience for me. What they do is you know, they, they don't just build a, a written piece of content. They build a video to go with it. So they kind of have this formula going forward where they – if someone wants to watch the video, they watch the video. If they want to read the entire piece, they can. And they have amazing photo- you know, photographs to go with it. So I think it's just a nice change from everything just being digital, digital, just getting bombarded with it. So I think there's an opportunity there. You know, I mean, I think some of the ones that are have struggled, you know, like the motorcyclists and cycle world, I just don't know if I think they just kind of lost their way. You know, I think they just got too driven by trying to make the dollar, which they're trying to survive. I understand that. But I also think that they turn to like intrusive methods of marketing to try and keep their customers going. And so to me, I think that might have been part of the downfall. With a lot of that in the power sports world, a lot of that print media is a lot of the same stuff regurgitated over and over. So I think it gets so thinned out that people lose interest. And there's still a few good almost boutique level type magazines in, in the motor, motorcycle world. And I think a, like Racer X or uh, Road Racing World, Road Racing World, VMX magazine out of, out of Australia and, and the magazines out of England. I mean, they're, they're well done. They're thick paper. They're awesome photographs. And they don't need a lot of content to carry it over. I, I just, it's good to see. I, I'm one of those guys who loves to go to the mailbox and pull a magazine out and pour over it for the next week or two. The vintage bike world really is has got a handle on it, it seems, too. All the vintage bike-specific magazines that I'm seeing, which is a few, are well done. Yeah, I, mean, I also think it's, you know, it's part of it is, when I look at Meta, I mean, it's essentially two or three guys. You know, they have some investors, I think, that help them out, but it's running the magazine for per issue. It's, it's two guys, Andrew Campbell and Ben Giese. They're doing what they want to do. They're having fun with it, and they're sticking to what they believe in, and they're not letting outside interests influence the direction of what they're doing. They stick to this formula, and you know, I think that's partly it. Like I said, going back to some of these magazines, they've sort of lost their way. I don't know if some of them. I hate to use this term like soul, but I feel like in some ways they've sort of lost their way. You know, where they don't have much substance to them. And, you know, like a magazine like Meta, even Racer X. Like Racer X still does a great job of 
doing in-depth stories that they put in the magazine. And to me, that's where that's the good stuff these days. And I'm, you know, I'm older, so I, I like those more in-depth stories that kind of really dig in and um, tell a side of the power sports that maybe people don't know about. Yeah, and hopefully a lot of the shootout articles are just pretty much online now. And that seems to be where everybody goes for that content because you can see live video and hear the the riders and the editors talk about the vehicles. So you don't reading about that, I guess, unlike you, Dale, it doesn't excite me as much as, you know, you pick up Racer X and you read an in-depth story about a racer from 20 years ago and he tells his story, his background and what it led up to where they are today. And I, I agree with you. I think there's there's certainly a place for it. I'm glad it's not going away completely because we do need it. Yeah, absolutely. To give credit where credit's due, I think, you know, on the bike test side, a guy like Chris Kiefer, I feel like he's changing the game, you know, like he's his whole thing going into creating, you know, Kiefer tested is he wanted to be able to tell the truth and not just sugarcoat everything. Cause I think in power sports, having been around this my whole life, there's a lot of instances where, you know, there's a lot of keep it in the family, everybody make it, make sure everybody's happy. You know, if you're advertising, I'm not going to say anything bad about your product, you know, type scenarios to where, you know, with Kiefer, I think, you know, he's, he's telling stuff, that, you know, the way it is. Yeah. Can't, he has his sponsors, you know, FXR and some of these different people that help him out that he, talks a lot about if you're going to put your trust in a shootout you know like to me i would turn to a guy like Kiefer, who's you know doing it for different reasons he's not you know necessarily all the time having to you know make advertisers happy no i think you hit the nail on the head i'm a big fan i uh, i follow him and uh, and i he's usually the first place i go when i want to learn technical or i want to at least get a good solid impression of a, of a new bike that's out he's very honest, very straightforward, and he's not afraid to say what's on his mind. And uh, I appreciate that. I would agree. It's You don't see that in print media as much anymore. It does feel a little glossed over, and, and I think you described it well. Yeah, and then you got like these a lot of these websites that are sort of like the, the gear, the gadget websites where they really don't tell you anything. It's just a place to showcase cool products, you know? And to where when, when you're doing research on the internet these days, like, People want to know, they want to find out the real deal, you know? So whether it's reading reviews on Amazon, you read 50 of them or whatever, and you figure out, make a consensus that, okay, this product isn't what I thought it was, you know? I mean, that's the kind of good stuff I feel like people expect these days. Like, they don't want to see something kind of polished, rosy glassed, you know, view of everything. They want to know what what they're really getting, you know? And so I think that's where people like Kiefer people like Meta who are sticking to what they believe in, creating their content that way, I think you're going to succeed in the end. Clearly, you're able to, through your podcast, you're able to bring ideas from all the various industries that you're now touching together. I mean, is that giving you a competitive advantage, do you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm not really sure if it gives me as much as an advantage. I, I think, really, I chalk it up to, again, 28 years in this industry. I feel like I made a lot of connections and friends you know, industry associates, that has really helped me launch Buzz Media. And it's really helped me with this podcast because I've already reached out to quite a few people and, you know, some pretty high level names that are in the works to hopefully come on my show and talk about it. One of them I'm hoping to have on is Skylar Howes, who just finished fifth in the uh, Dakar rally. So I'm hoping to get him on the show. And, you know, people like that to where 
I want to be able to have on some some really good guests that can just and just dig into it and ask some strange questions to them, you know? Like, get weird. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> get weird. That's always fun. It's what people want to hear, too. So you're kudos to you for uh, stepping up and saying you want to do it. We really want to thank you for joining us today. Sadly, we're nearing the end of our time, Dale. So is there anybody... Uh, that you want to thank clearly you're uh, off on a, a new endeavor for yourself so maybe uh maybe you just say thanks to you well thank you guys for having me on i mean it's uh so much has changed since the last time i was on i don't know i think it might have been like maybe last march or april or so when i had when i was on with you guys and it seems like it's just the world has changed so much since then but i'm excited about this year to get the you know my dirt buzz podcast rolling and get more guests on and keep working uh, with buzz media with some of the other industry brands and if anybody has any questions, they can hit me up on, uh, if you go to buzzmediacontent.com, that's my Buzz Media website, and then dirtbuzz.com, you can find my podcast. It's available on Apple and all the big platforms. Appreciate you guys having me on. Thanks again to our guest, Dale Spangler. This week's Pit Pass trivia question was, who has won the most AMA road races in their career? The answer is the inimitable Miguel Duhamel. 86 wins across all classes. Won the Daytona 200 five times. AMA Hall of Fame inductee. AMA Superbike champion of 1995. And a five-time AMA Supersport title winner along with two AMA Formula Extreme titles, a class that's gone away. He was constantly 39, it seemed, whenever I read articles about him. How old are you, Miguel? He was always 39, which I found hilarious. The guy was incredibly fast till an age well past 39. Congrats to you, Mr. Miguel, for a career well spent. Okay, upcoming news for the weekend. We've got some events planned. We've got a continuation of the Kicker Arena Cross Series, which is taking place in Guthrie, Oklahoma, January 22nd and 23rd. That's Friday and Saturday this weekend. And then we've got our second round of Houston Supercross, which takes place on the 19th. And then we've got the third round at Houston taking place on the 23rd. So got a full week of uh, Kicker Arena Cross and Supercross taking place followed by the next round, which takes place in Indianapolis, Indiana, January 30th through February 6th. Thank you again to Dale Spangler for joining us today, and thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. If you have a moment, please rate and review us as well. We really appreciate it. Make sure you're also following us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and visit pitpassmoto.com where you can check out our blog. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thank you to Tommy Boy Halverson, Chris Bishop, producer Leah Longbreak and audio engineer Eric Coltnow. I'm Dave. And I'm PJ. And we'll see you next week. Don't you know that you're a grown up? 
I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I've never done it. (laughs) Right.